Dragon Ball Fighters has a stellar weekend with a very hype World Tour Finals followed by new character reveals and patch notes that look to better the game, but that's not to say that things went off without a hitch. A Dead or Alive 6 developer hits Street Fighter V with a bit of a low blow. The Super Smash Bros. community really doesn't like penguins, and we're now a full month and a half into Street Fighter V's soon silence on today's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. Alright, and welcome back to the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray. With me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. And this week we have a very special guest, our tournament coverage specialist, all the way from Sweden, Nicholas Majentenshanhan Taylor. Thanks for having me. There we go. <laughs> all right. Him and his beautiful accent that we always compliment him on, which is actually not quite Swedish. It's actually like uh, English and like Swedish or something like that is what you comment on, Nick. I'm not sure what my accent is, but I know it's not Swedish because Swedish accents sound awful. Okay. Oh, all right. Shots fired right out of the gate. Yeah, well, yeah, right, right for his hometown country. Uh, we're going for it. So anyway, sorry, Sweden. We, we actually love you. But anyway, all right. So this last weekend, we had uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. And uh, Nick did all the coverage for it. It was a pretty good event. You know, um, uh, we had a lot of up and down play. We had a very unique last chance qualifier format going on where they had four single elation, uh, single elimination, I should say, last chance uh, qualifying events where, uh, unfortunately, like Apology Man and Aqua met like, I think, four times in a row and Apology Man lost all four times and like it started to become a meme on the internet, all that. But uh I actually thought the format was pretty damn cool because you're basically uh, entering a quadruple elimination tournament, um, and and you got you have to lose four times to get out of it, and because you can enter each one, and you've got a shot in there. And I realized I think it was pretty exhausting for the players involved. Uh, I'm sure that you know it's that's an all day affair. But then again, everyone's on the same playing field. If you enter all four tournaments, you've got to go you know the same gauntlet as everyone else. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very hype and fun. Um, but but how about you guys? Like how did you see it? That, I just I didn't I didn't really watch it all because I was at Disneyland over the weekend, but uh, I've been hearing about it a lot, and so I figured, well, I probably have the least to to chime in with, and so I'll just get it out of the way real quick. But I have to say, my first reaction to it all is that Fenrich is a a an Iron Man of Iron Men. Like um, mm-hmm. I don't I mean I don't know if we're getting into spoilers, but hey, spoilers. Uh, Fenrich was one of the people that made it through and and won one of the last chance qualifiers. And winds up going all the way to the grand finals of the world tour. So once he he qualifies and plays through that like just super long first day of four tournaments, then he goes against the best of the best in the world and gets second place. Not was there a bracket reset too? Yeah, he reset the bracket. Yeah. So I mean, man, what a what a story that would have been had he won. Um, but getting second place and doing it in the fashion that he did is still really worth talking about it's with it's worth noting um i i look at that finals and i go like the final eight uh, uh results and i go to see sonic fox in fifth place overall was was pretty crazy to me and it's it's and that's weird i mean that just speaks to how good of a player this guy has been over the last couple of years but you know you're expecting him kazunoko maybe goichi although he hasn't been doing as great lately um to be right up there but no man it was fenrich and then the the kind of the guy that was expected to win it all kazunoko who went into this event with was it four dragon balls of the seven yeah, yeah so it's four so yeah. get wrecked everybody else but I, I thought that fenrich was the player of the uh, the weekend although i would have to give kazunoko the player of the year of course 
Yeah, that sounds about right uh, for the most part. Obviously, the biggest headline is Fenrich. But um, I think uh, about the last chance qualifiers, one thing uh, you uh, didn't mention is that Fenrich, he got second in the first last chance qualifier. And <laughs> of course. Getting to that position is the worst thing that can happen in this kind of format because you feel like, okay, so this guy beat me, but I'm next in line. Like, no matter what you do, that's how you're mentally going to feel. So to then go to the next last chance qualifier, he ended up getting third. And then in the next one, he ended up getting, uh, was it fifth, I think? Yeah. Yeah, he got fifth. Yeah. Yeah. He ended up so, getting demoralized is what happened. Yeah, <laughs> so he progressively got worse results with each last chance qualifier until we got to the last one where he won. And after that absolute, you know, roller coaster of tor like emotional turmoil, he goes into the finals day and not only does he manage to get to grand finals, he actually resets the bracket. It's absolutely insane. This is the stuff of, of a movie with Matthew McConaughey as the head coach or something along those lines <laughs> where, I mean, where, where it's just the, the tension and the, the Cinderella story aspect of it and the, the close calls, everything. And it was all jam-packed into one weekend. And I know Fenrich is not someone who's under the spotlight as often as a lot of these other players. But uh, if my memory serves me correctly, Born Free did an interview with him. And one of the things that stood out is that this guy is an absolute machine when it comes to practicing and, and playing in the, uh, in the hyperbolic time chamber, meaning that he sits down and the way he practices, uh, as far as what I remember him saying to Born Free, is that he just does combos for like eight hours a day, just sits there, and on repetition plays and plays and plays and does these over and over again and it, it really shows in his gameplay because he's starting to become known as just one of the most optimal players out there we talk about Fujimura um, in Street Fighter 5 just converting anything that any hit he ever gets will can be converted into the absolute most damage that's you know that on steroids here with with the case of Fenrich and Dragon Ball Fighters um, the guy just knows exactly what to do and his fingers are just ready to go at any given time. So if he scores that hit on you, it's probably a touch of death combo because, hey, welcome to DBFZ. And, and it's it, he's not going to drop it. And that is, I think, particularly relevant to his run last weekend or the, this, this past weekend. Because like we said, he's the Iron Man and it showed in a few different ways. He was just able to keep going and going and going. And But but man, what a story. Just getting so close and then actually, you know, you put so much effort forward to get right up there to the brink, second place, and it's not quite enough and all of that didn't matter because now you have to do it again and <laughs> just yeah. slipping away until the last moment he makes it. Oh man, good stuff. Over and over. Yeah, I was telling, I was telling the, the crew here that I think that the days of Fenrich being... Um, you know, a known name in the community are over and like we have to put them up there now in the, the top. In like, the S tier. This is one of the best. Yeah, the, the the top best fighting game players around. Like after that performance, I was so impressed by him. And, you know, you just have to tip your cap to him and say, wow, like I I know very few other players who could have pulled that off and done that. Uh, taking a set off of Kazunoko, no one else even managed to do that in the top eight. Um you know, Kazunoko went in and winners and all that. Like I, he didn't look unbelievably dominant, but he looked dominant. He looked like himself, you know. And and he didn't have an off performance to the point where you're like, oh, you know, like Fenrich got lucky. It's like no, Fenrich won fair and square in grand finals, beat him. Uh, and you know, then Kazunoko came back and 
destroyed him. But hey, hey, t- he took a set. You know, he, that's a big deal. We're setting the bracket at that point. Uh, so yeah, I was very happy did, for. Did him. he show any emotion, Nick, afterwards, or, or John, if you were watching it live? Like, did did Fenrich show emotion after that grand finals was over? Um, like like just this, because I would imagine there's just this mass exodus of emotion just flowing out of you after all of that, and when it was all over with in second place, and what a heartbreaker and and a victory at the same time. But or was he just totally stone faced the whole time? Um, as soon as tournaments end, uh, I go to sleep. Okay, immediately. Fair so, <laughs> so, so I, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I was going to say the same exact thing, Nick. I'm like, yeah, all the breaking news, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, the tournament's over. Thank goodness. Like, it's it's done. Like, I love watching it. I love keeping up. But it, it's, you know, it's 10 hours, 12 hours, you know, a day. You're just, oh, I, I'm done. I'm out. So he may have. He may have had a lot of emotion. We're just unsure of that. Uh, I would like to bring up about Fenrich, though. Um, it, you, you refer to him as, uh, like, to a lot of people, he definitely is a bit of a no-name, but I know there are there's a certain group of the FGC who weren't at all surprised to see Fenrich perform at this level, and that is the Blaze Blue community, because that's basically where mm-hmm. he's from. And I'm not a super expert on Blaze Blue by any means, but I cover a lot of tournaments, so I've seen my fair share of Blaze Blue at top levels, because I see it at EVO and, you know, EVO Japan and all these big tournaments. And even for me, just watching the game, Fenrich felt like he was playing an entirely different game whenever I saw him in Blaze Blue. He was such an unbelievable player that when I saw him start to play Dragon Ball Fighters, I was like, oh man, he's gonna do great things. And I think anyone who's more well versed in Blaze Blue probably felt that times a hundred. So I think nobody who follows Blaze Blue is even the slightest bit surprised at seeing Fenrich pull this off uh, the way he did. Even though he didn't win in the end, he did basically everything except win the final final set it seems like him and dogara are uh, training partners too right like they seem to play a lot with being on the same team yeah i think so um since they're both on co uh, i would assume they're both mm-hmm. I, I know that dogara is based uh, in osaka so i would assume that uh, fenrich is as well uh, just based on being mm-hmm. part of that because goichi is too so you have this mm-hmm. cluster of absolutely amazing dragon ball fighters players not only from the same country, but from the same region. Uh, so you can bet they're they're grinding all all the time, probably. Yeah, it's it's gotten to the point with Dogra where uh, you play any major game in the fighting game community, and if he's not in the top eight, you're like, what happened? <laughs> you know, he's not in Tekken. I don't understand. Like, where where did he show up at? I know he doesn't play Tekken, but anyway, it just it's a surprise not seeing Dogra up there. Like, that's it's become the sorry, not true. He actually does play Tekken. He has he does play he Tekken. Has okay, wow. Okay. In Tekken, uh, not like top, oh my top eight, but I've seen him in top thirty two. Uh, with a oh uh, de- devil gin. Uh, so he does play Tekken, but uh, he also said in about a year ago, I did an interview with him for Capcom Cup, and at that point he said he only wants to focus on two games at a time. So that's why you don't see him enter Guilty Gear anymore, because he's focusing on Dragon Ball and on Street Fighter. But if it's a more casual event for him, he might do a Kazunoko and enter like six games, but... Uh, it's pretty rare for an event to be casual at this point since we have the war tours and everything. Um, so you usually, by his own admission, he likes to uh, only be in two games at one time. 
Yeah, casually enter and get top 32 in Tekken because that is who Dogura is. <laughs> I, I see how it is. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, moving along here, uh, we also had uh, Dragon Ball Fighters actually leak uh, their initial Season 2 uh, trailer with Jiren and uh, other characters in there. And it came up about four hours early. Um, and uh, this is the classic this here with you know Capcom now. with Kage. <laughs> yeah, it's it, – and, you know, everyone, you know, let Capcom up. And, and it just – Oh, that Capcom's the worst company. How could they possibly like leak this like two hours early? Well, Namco Bandai said, "Hold my beer. We're gonna go four hours early and and clobber you on that." And yet, almost no one in the community kind of talked about it. They're like, "Eh, like it, it happens or whatever." You know, not a big deal. And it just goes back to me that you know, I guess the phrase is like the the wind blows hardest at the top of the mountain. And, and as much as people want to say, "Oh, Capcom's not this or Capcom's not that," like they still are are put up on a pedestal in our community with their expectations and what people you know want to see from them and i mean this is this is bandai namco that has a great reputation in our community for doing things very well and and, uh, like what what are we a month after capcom did this they do the a very similar thing not the exact same thing but very similar and leak their own product out there like how come it's not a bigger deal like i I don't know i mean is that is that it did i just answer my own question or or, but how do you guys feel about that? i actually have uh I think it's very simple uh, why it's not a bigger deal. Because uh, people weren't disappointed with the Dragon Ball Fighters announcement. If the Dragon Ball Fighters hmm. announcement had been only Jiren, you would see the exact same level of backlash. I'm absolutely sure. But what we got instead was we got Jiren, who everyone knew was coming, and he, he looked pretty good. I mean, I don't really like the character, but uh, looking at him, I mean, he looks like he has a pretty fun moveset and nice stuff. And then you got Videl, who a lot of people have wanted, but nobody actually expected. Plus Great Saiyaman in the moveset, which a lot of people were hoping for as well. <laughs> uh, and then you also, on top of that, you get, oh, you're getting four more characters besides this this year. And they announced who two of those were. So you have six characters coming. Two of them are coming, uh, not the same day like Capcom did, but like same week uh, or within a week. And you know the identities of four of these characters. What Capcom did was they showed Evil Ryu and renamed them. And, of course, they gave him some other moves. He's not identical to the old Evil Ryu, absolutely not. Uh, they released him the same day. And balance patch. Which is fine, I guess, but you don't know anything about what's happening the rest of the year. But with Dragon Ball, you know exactly what's happening the rest of the year. Okay, good point. Yeah, I, I think that Nick pretty much hit it on the head there. It's that... Okay, so part of it is that the wind blows hardest at the top of the mountain. Um, and, and I do think that... Capcom, in a lot of ways, is still at the top of the mountain simply because of the the legacy and the status that they've been at. But yeah, uh, this is not in a vacuum. You know, this is happening uh, after uh, you know when when people are feeling a certain way um, about these games and about these companies. And um, and yeah, I don't really have too much to add on beyond you know how Nick articulated it that. that we were actually happy with the content that it was enough for right now and yeah you can like this kind of a situation can be a slap on the wrist like oh bandai namco you released it four hours early and you know cue studio laughter or it can be uh we released kage two hours early at what okay and and it and it it wasn't the biggest deal in the world like it, it felt i think more heavy to us john um, because mm-hmm. we were there and we saw, you know, the, I don't know about the panic, but just like the, the, the oh crap on Capcom members' faces and the, and the feel in the room. But people were super excited to see what would happen 
with all of this, you know, like, ooh, Kage, all right, what is that? And oh man, the new the new balance and such. But expectations from one year previous where we where you had uh, you know, arcade edition we knew about and we had a hunch about Sakura, but then they're like, oh, and by the way, Sakura, she looks like this, it looks great. Plus, here are the five other characters. Here's what they look like and and get hype and this is all coming down the pipeline. None of this stuff. And you know what? Like, it's no secret that I have not been happy with Capcom. And I should just say specifically Capcom's fighting game division right now because I'm very happy playing Resident Evil 2 right now. Um, but I, it's no secret that I haven't been happy with them. As soon as they turn things around, though, I'm sure I will, you know, come right back to it. As soon as they, they've, you know, right the ship and such, I'll be okay with it. Uh, and, and I'll be right there. I'm not, you know, deserting Capcom fighting games or anything like that. I'm just kind of pissed off at how they're treating their, their fan base when they build this game as a service. That, to me, says, all right, well, we'll be here right along with it until we're not, and we'll let you know when we're not. There And then they just kind of leave us hanging so often. Uh, and we've talked about all of that before, so I don't need to keep getting into it. But I think that when you take those kinds of things into consideration, that's why you can react to such a similar situation with Bandai and Dragon Ball Fighters versus Capcom and Street Fighter V. It's because of where expectations are set and the quality of the content that actually is revealed to hold us over. It's like we don't need the moon and the stars. We just need enough that, you know, where where you have set the standard, where you have put our expectations, you need to hit those marks. And they're setting up standards and then sometimes hitting the marks. And it's like, you can't, if you're a AAA game kind of company and you're the torchbearer and all that stuff, you can't be doing things like you're doing and expect to stay up top. And so I really do think that we are on the brink of, you know, with Nintendo doing what it's doing with Smash, with Bandai just hitting home runs with Dragon Ball Fighters and Tekken and hey, that snazzy new, or I don't know if they're, they, they, they've got a lot of fish hooks out there right now um, and they're doing well in a lot of avenues. And then with um, NRS, just what Mortal Kombat 11 appears like it's going to be, um, you can't be playing the game that Capcom's playing and expect to stay um, at the top. If they're, if they're even still there, I'm not sure. But yeah. I will say regarding Capcom's status, uh, I'm not. I'm pretty much in your camp that I'm not entirely happy with Capcom's fighting game division right now. But as for their status at the top, I would say that's fairly inarguable right now because you're still seeing them have the most entrance at, uh, tournaments. Uh, viewership is still very high for Street Fighter V, even if it's. I think it's lower than it was in like its second year or something, but it's still high. And also, uh, they have by far the biggest prize pools, except maybe NRS, because I know NRS has huge pop bonuses, but way more than Dragon Ball or Tekken have, for example. Right. Um, so, yeah, well, we're going to see where that one goes. Uh, I think we'll actually be uh, chiming in here a little bit more on Capcom later on in the pod. But uh, but I wanted to get back to, actually, uh, the speed of the matches in Dragon Ball Fighters. It's something that the team at Nam. Uh, I always want to say that Namco Bandai, I always want to say Bamco. But anyway, uh, they spoke about, now I'll quote here, we're also making changes to the battle tempo. Uh, a lot of the feedback we've got is that overall matches are a little bit long, which is something we've heard among our team here. Uh, but by adjusting various elements to the game, we're going to sort of improve that, is what they said. So, um, I mean, again, one of the things that jumps out at me right away is uh, the animation on level three supers. You know, uh, Bardock is infamous, and then a Gotenks and all that, like just... 
you're, you're sitting there watching that for quite a bit, but none of that was actually addressed in the patch notes. Um, the things that kind of stood out to me here in the patch notes is that uh, gray life is going to recover slower, or that's actually blue life here in Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, you can now spark on guard, and then um, the opponent has less less recoverable life uh, when you're doing damage to them when you have sparking up. Like it's a, That's a mouthful right there, but basically if you have uh, sparking activated and you're hitting the person, like they're, they're they have less recoverable life, basically. Uh, and then the trade-off there is that they have a slower startup on the, the sparking, unless it's canceled from an attack. Um, so it's now easier to punish raw activations of sparking. So those are kind of like the main standout things that I've noticed, but but what are you guys seeing with the patch notes for Dragon Ball Fighters? Yeah, um, as far as the speed of rounds, I think they did some things to to speed that up, but there are also, you know, they, they buffed defense a little bit too, which could potentially... Um, you know, go against that, but I, I think it's it it's all on paper right now. But it, it looks like a pretty um, like in the know with it batch of changes where Bandai Namco was listening, was observing, and has an idea of where they want to take their game with some purpose. Um, and, and so I think a big part of it is that like Gray Life or Blue Life was nerfed almost across the board, where you're just gonna have less of it, meaning that when you get hit more of that is true damage and you have less potential to to bring it back and swap outs and such are so prevalent in this game i mean outside of like touches of death uh that when you you know you kick a character back out they can recover a lot of that life and you end up having to retrace that ground and it takes longer to actually kill them in a lot of situations um so so i do think that that will help with the speed although i I really don't like the three out of the three big things that I that I kind of observed, the speed of rounds is the one that I'm thinking may not have gotten enough attention to, considering how much it was, you know, kind of being discussed. And and I'm definitely down to have, you know, back and forth if you guys think that, that that's you know, think differently about that. But I do think that this might not be enough for how fast the, the rounds are and, and like you know, we, we have that hype of, I think of Yipes and I think of Cell coming out at the beginning. And that, you know, that's always at the very beginning of these rounds. And everyone gets super hype and the, the audience gets into it. And But then you have this, like, longer than expected or longer than wanted round so often. And uh, the, the hype wave that starts with that Cell scream uh, doesn't usually last all the way through these rounds. And it's becoming harder and harder because we're seeing the same stuff over and over again. Um, and, and I think that that kind of is, is sort of like a, a metaphor for how Dragon Ball has been in, in general with this first year where it starts off super hype just because we're seeing, you know, this IP that we've wanted for so long in a competitive fighting game. Now it's here, all these characters that we love, uh, the game looks so good. It's, it's everything we've wanted and it, and it really is that, but the hype for it that where it started versus the hype for where you know it's been until this recent patch release and these new characters and this you know this moment where new life was breathed into it it definitely felt on the uh, the downgrade and i think that length of round was a huge part of that but nick i wanted to ask like what do you think as far as how they've addressed the speed of these rounds well i think as far as the speed of rounds go i think they've actually addressed it quite well because Essentially, one of the big problems that uh, that made matches so long is the blue life, and the blue life has been nerfed across the board because a good Dragon Ball uh, Fighters player would essentially have five life bars if they were playing their cards right, because they would regenerate so much with each character, and they would keep swapping out. And you know, it's a very dynamic game plan, um, and it might have been a little bit too effective. Um, 
I personally don't mind the length that much, but I can see why it would turn other people off. And I feel like this balance patch has basically been focused specifically on that and not really on other problems that people had with the game. Uh, because uh, if you look at the comments for the balance patch, a lot of people are saying this is kind of disappointing, this isn't what I was hoping for, uh, because they were hoping for super dashes to be addressed, because uh, super dashes are basically this thing that on scrub level are OP, when you get beyond scrub level, they suddenly feel very telegraphed and easy, and then once you get to a good level, they're good again. So, so the problem with the su uh, super dash once you get to a good level is you will do it either with an assist backing you up, which means the opponent just has to hold it because it's not really unsafe on block because you can still do things after it on block, like another jump or whatever, and uh, or at ranges where reacting with the 2H simply isn't viable. So e maybe you'll block, but you still won't get a punish for such a high reward option. And uh, that is one thing that people have uh, been bringing up and the Bandai Namco don't seem to have addressed at all. And uh, there was something else here with the patch notes that I was thinking about. Oh yeah, uh, defensive options. They've done a little bit to buff defensive options, but not at all to the extent that people were hoping, because uh, there still mm -hmm. aren't many defensive options that are viable. Um, they've made it so you can spark on block now, and uh, they made some good changes to... Uh, what was it? The guard cancel change. Um, and I mean, that's something, but I think people were hoping for a new mechanic of some sort. Maybe push block, because that's the staple in Marvel vs. Capcom. And I think uh, when you see this pressure going on uh, for so long in Dragon Ball Fighters, I think a lot of people felt like a push block mechanic would help the game out. Uh, I, I'm not saying it has to be in. I'm not saying that these voices are correct, but I'm saying these voices are there. So uh, you're seeing a lot of blowback. I wouldn't say blowback. People aren't necessarily angry about the patch. That's not what it's about. But a lot of people feel like the only thing being addressed is uh, the time uh, factor. And not really the super dashes, not really the defensive options. Uh, so in a sense, I would say that Bandai Namco did listen, but uh, only with one ear. Yeah, one of the things I pointed out while watching the finals is that I love Dragon Ball Fighters. One of my favorite, absolute favorite games of the community to watch. Um, maybe my number one, like overall, like high level Dragon Ball Fighters is like so enthralling to me. Um, but my big issue with the game, or, or at least it was, I don't know about now, was that the start of the rounds just didn't matter enough. Like you were, you were too often beating the other person up, and it, they recovered all their life, or you know. Um, it just it just didn't have enough influence on the the entire rest of the match. You could lose, you know, for thirty seconds and still come back and win. And I know like that's every fighting game, but just the amount that it really felt like it was dictating the outcome of a match like seemed way too minimal uh, for what it should have been. And I think that's going to change now. I think it's going to be a bigger part of the game where. Um, you can you know you can't really doze off at the start of the match because it's a little bit more volatile um and i think a verse game really does need to be volatile in that you know you could lose not maybe in the blink of an eye but you if you make a couple big mistakes your chances of losing are huge kind of throughout the match and that's that's what i know for verse games and that's something i'd like to see a little bit more in this game and, and again it looks like that they're doing that um you go down like 3-1 and you lose your sparking like your odds of making a comeback are pretty much nil in this game you have a shot but it's really hard so i, I think they're gravitating more towards that direction i'm excited about that but the rest i kind of see where you guys are going for with 
Yeah, I, I, they, they put their toe on the water, or maybe you know a half a foot or something like that. But it, they definitely didn't go all the way that people were hoping for. Do we think that comebacks will be more prevalent now? Because I know that they buffed sparking, which is the comeback mechanic. Um, so you can activate it now, like when you're guarding or even in the air. And uh, and they did something else to it too. Uh, let's see here. I have the the notes right in front of me, but. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, to answer your question, I I, I think that the, I I don't think comebacks are necessarily going to be more common, but I think they're going to be easier to do if that makes any sense at all. Um, and, and the difference there is that you know characters have less health, and so it's a little easier to beat up you know and, and KO a couple characters and make the match a little closer. I think. Um, so I don't think the, the the frequency is going to be a lot higher. It probably will be, I guess, due to that. But again, it's, just, it's a little easier to pull off a comeback now, if you ask. Yeah, me. and and what I so the other thing that kind of counterbalances the speed of round thing like it's there's no doubt that the blue health has been nerfed and that will be significant but then a lot of the crazy offense has also been addressed where um i mean some of it's more specific to certain characters or certain pairings right where um what was it like ex special moves the opponent will now um or no 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 uh you can't call an assist after you've done um an invincible move unless it's on hit right so you can't just do these moves for free and then call in your assist and make them safe you have to actually score the hit and know that so it's a little less brain dead um and then there are other things like with the the key gauge and i think it was is it like piccolo's hell grenade uh what is it called hell hell some grenade yeah where he would actually be plus after doing it in terms of meter where he would build as much meter as he would need while just like doing the move or doing the sequence and he would have essentially just kind of loop you into this situation where you're in super after super after super um they've they've i think they've changed the way that you build meter in those specific kinds of situations and if you do a super um and not not including like dhcs and such but if you if your character does a super and then does another super in the same combo they wind up doing significantly less damage with that second super and so it's like these crazy offensive situations have also been nerfed and that applies right back to the person that's trying to make the comeback or or such and so it feels like yeah we won't have as much life to be um, throwing around there but also we're not going to be doing as much damage and having as much um, offense which means there's going to be more neutral which means rounds are going to be a little bit longer at least in that regard now that's probably a good thing because hey it's okay if a round is longer uh if we're watching actual back and forth neutral play as opposed to someone just getting like you know mixed up over and over again in this kind of not as exciting situation because it's like oh they either blocked high or low or they didn't and and that's it um or we're in an an animation that we know exactly how it's going to play out every single time into said mix up so there's some significance there but i feel like they've also nerfed offense in a couple of key situations where that's going to make rounds last a little bit longer as well um, well, yes, uh, they've mainly removed stuff that's kind of shouldn't be there to begin with. Like you were saying, the Piccolo Hellstone Grenade thing where he keeps building more bar, uh, he's meter positive while doing it, which is probably not a thing that should be in there to begin with. Right, um, right. But also, um, you were saying about, like, yeah, less damage after super. Not entirely, because the point of this is... When you have a character that does a super and manages to extend after that via an assist, for example, and they continue a regular combo afterwards, that's going to do a lot less damage. But we don't know to the extent of supers actually doing less damage because you'll notice in the uh, patch notes it says excluding a select few supers. A good example mm-hmm. of this is probably Bardock's uh, 
you know, he has like a dash punch super, and he can naturally cancel that into his uh, projectile super. So presumably that is not going to be nerfed at all in damage because that's the point of it that he basically can chain supers together, and uh, it. Um, Ultimate said change, which is basically DHC from Marvel, um, is also exempt from this. So chaining supers together is still going to do the same damage that it did before, but they're lessening the effectiveness of these types of combos where you do a super in the middle of it, and then you get to do another combo, right? Like mm -hmm. that just keeps. Are going. those not all that common compared to? I mean, obviously there's DHC combos up the wazoo uh, in, in any given round, but as far as characters doing the same combo and doing their just repeating super combos in that combo is that not as common in this game it's not that common because uh, to end with a super you need to have a sliding knockdown for example and you usually don't get that for uh, combos that have gone on for that long and there's there's all kinds of systems and stuff that works in it but i don't think this is going to be as big of a factor uh for most teams there are a few teams that kind of relish with this but um I think it is actually kind of a nerf to Bardock because he does a lot of this where the assist will help him and then he will do uh, whatever. And I think this will probably make Bardock play a little bit more like they intended where he actually does cancel the super into his next super instead of uh, getting a super extended combo through uh, assists and whatever. So how uh, going into 2019, Nick, you've probably watched the most Dragon Ball fighters out of all of us and John uh, maybe on par with that or at least a close second. Um, certainly more than I have, but you have all this information in front of you, and we've been, you know, kind of digging through it. Do you think the game is better overall to watch and to play in 2019, and if so, by how much? Nick. Um, okay, before I go into that, I actually want to address one thing that I forgot to address before, because uh, you were talking sure. about the comebacks, and uh, John was saying that he thinks comebacks will be, was it slightly more common? But not that much. Uh, easier, easier, right. and easier, but not necessarily the frequency. Right. Uh, what I want to say about that is I don't think that comebacks... I was actually kind of terrified because they were saying uh, before they showed the patch, they were talking about like, oh, we've noticed that comebacks are kind of difficult. We want to do something to address that. We want to have more comeback mechanics. And uh, hearing a fighting game developer say comeback mechanics... That's a slippery slope. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> like... Yeah. For me, that's like holy water to a vampire. I'm like, oh no please no yeah. uh, but seeing what they did they actually didn't do that much with it what they instead did is make the scenario where you're forced to make a comeback less likely with all the reduction of blue life and all that kind of stuff it's much less likely now that you as a player will be forced into a situation where you have a one character without sparking against free full life bars with sparking it can still happen but it's not going to happen as often so I don't think comebacks will necessarily be more common. I just think hopeless situations will be less common. That's a fair... And, and especially when you're trying to move the scales a little bit, a, a change like how you just articulated it, I feel is probably a better approach where you're just going to have that little bit of push, but it goes a little bit farther than you think it will, and it ends up being in a good spot, as opposed to, if like, I'm, we're just going to buff up the comeback mechanics. It's yeah. like, well, it's probably going to go a little bit farther than you think it will, and yeah. that could lead to fighting game, you know, hell, as we've seen so many times in the past with comeback mechanics being too big, too flashy, and ultimately taking over the entire game and making it all about that comeback mechanic and all about, like, the last 10% of the round. Yeah. 
Are you guys saying that you have a problem with everyone can win? I I don't. What what is the problem with that statement? I just I don't understand. So anyway, but yeah, <laughs> Nick, it sounded like you had a little bit more there. Uh, John had asked you um, basically how much the game had been improved, like percentage wise, uh, from 2018 to 2019. Now, uh, where do you feel like the game is at? I it, we haven't seen the patch yet, so I don't want anyone throwing this back in my face later. Uh, but right. based on what I'm seeing through the patch notes and based on what I'm seeing through the new characters, I think the game will definitely be more entertaining in 2019. One very interesting factor, for example, that we saw today, uh, some people got their hands on uh, Videl, so we saw some gameplay from her. She actually does not have a reflect. She has a dodge instead. Oh. So she will dodge oh. moves when she's doing that instead. So she will likely be able to punish stuff in entirely different ways from other characters, which I think is very interesting because that's another thing that people have been clamoring for is more gameplay variety. And, you know, the more characters are introduced to a game, the more variety you'll get automatically but this is a very interesting thing because everyone has a reflect now suddenly we have a character who doesn't so i think that's uh, that's going to open up a lot of doors and just the general approach to the game trying to make it less of a one-player game kind of uh i think that will make mm -hmm. it more fun to watch because comebacks will also feel more natural which i think is the best way to approach a fighting game comebacks are only hype if they don't happen every game so i think it's in a yeah, better position I if i would put a percentage at it i would say that I already enjoy watching it a lot, so I would say that uh, to 2018's Dragon Ball Fighters, if that was at 100%, I would say this is at 120, so we got a slight buff to it. You bastard. <laughs> I was going to say 20% too. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I was I was going to say 20%. You took my exact thing away I was going to add, but I'll, I'll just I'll throw in there that um, uh, my big problem still with the game, and I hope this is addressed like very head on is that there's not enough character variety like you're seeing the same matchups over and over and over again uh Gotenks and and uh Bardock are huge problems right now in the game in terms of lack of variety um they've done a lot of good stuff to address that I'm happy to see it but those two characters are just like uh like please just nerf them to the point where they're on team still but they're not like all over the place and you're seeing them pretty much like ad nauseum it's just there's too many characters right now that are just not good enough um are too many characters that are too stand out i should say but yeah yeah and then so we're at this point where dragon ball fighters is going through a very clear and significant change but we're going from a place of yeah it's pretty good and we're pretty happy and it could be better but hey man we've been happy along this ride for the most part to hey 20 percent better and and that's really encouraging and we'll enjoy it even more now potentially and then you have other situations where you're like, if this change doesn't go well, this game could be dead. And and I really, I can just really appreciate where Dragon Ball Fighters is. I think Bandai Namco, while it's not perfect, it's like, this is a pretty damn good job for a game here in 2018, 2019, and their approach in general to it. And I was kind of upset with them a few weeks back when they had an, an announcement for an announcement, and um, I was all geared up for that one, and then they just kind of threw it in my face. But, uh, I mean... I think that this is this is kind of a place where you want to be. Like this is passing grade, and and it, you know maybe it's not the most popular game. I, who knows? It, it might be you know in 2019, but it's certainly up there, and it's certainly acknowledging the uh, the rough edges that it has and healthily approaching them. We'll see how it actually comes into play, but I'm really really excited and happy for this game that I don't really play at all, but I'm I, you know glad to have it be part of the FGC. And what's good for a game like this is good for the entire community. And so I think that things are going really well right now. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, moving along now, we have Genesis. And oh, uh, that's the gigantic uh, Smash tournament coming up this weekend. And Nick, you, you're more qualified to, to you know, put this in more general FGC terms than I am. But uh, would you say it's about on par maybe with like a CEO type event? Or, or what would you say like it ranks in like the pantheon of, of Smash tournaments? I'd say it's bigger. Uh, I bigger think, than CEO, wow. I think Genesis is potentially the biggest Smash event of all. Because what you need to keep in mind is that Evo is definitely big for every game part of it. But Smash is the only game I'm aware of that has tournaments where they have more entrants than they have at Evo. Mm. Because wow. uh, the Big House and Genesis, uh, I believe the Big House as well, have both had more entrants at their events than Evo has. I think Genesis is at about 2,000 entrants right now for Ultimate, unless I'm mistaken. Um, yes, it's got over 2,000 and over 1,000 for Melee. Yeah, so that's absolutely insane. Obviously, yeah. those numbers are a little bit lower for Melee than they've been before. I think that's largely because uh, Ultimate is out now. I think a lot of mid-tier players, uh, you know, not the best of the best, uh, might be more keen on Ultimate at the moment. Uh, that doesn't mean Melee is going to die at all, but uh, I think I think that's what we're seeing right now. Melee is probably going to swing back up uh, a bit more. I'm, I'm talking like 1,000 is a low number. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that should tell you enough about how big Melee is, I guess. Yeah, so so you said that Genesis, is, you feel, is bigger than CEO. So what you're actually saying is Genesis does what CEO don't. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I could not resist. I, I, I'm really sorry. I, I, want, I want it on the record that I did not say that. It was John. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll clip that and use it as a highlight for the for the podcast for an oh, advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bad jokes. I'm, I'm very old. I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid. You know, it stuck with me. But anyway, getting into to some real stuff here, we've got a big movement with penguins. Yes. And to explain that here a little bit is uh, uh, Leffen is uh, one of the all-time best Smash players. He's a, a great and very gifted fighting game player all around. He plays Dragon Ball Fighters as well. Uh, he played Marvel. He's just very, very, he very plays, good. He, he uh, entered my Street Fighter Four Rambats too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's very talented. So he went on Twitter and complained about the uh, seating here for Genesis and just saying, hey, you know, like, why am I not seated a little bit better? Like, the seating kind of sucks. Uh, what are you guys doing? And one of the um, people that handled the seating for the event wrote back, and I quote here, and said, so if 500 penguins entered a tournament in Antarctica and I won it, should I be a top 10 seed? And Leffen was just like, what? He's like, you just compared all the players in Europe to penguins and, and like a playing in a tournament in Antarctica. Like, and just to fill in the blanks here a little bit more, he had, he'd got top eight at Valhalla yes. uh, earlier this month here in uh, January. And, and, you know, it's he, this, Leffen's a very, very good player. And it's just like, dude, you compared our entire scene in Europe to, to penguins. And so now penguins have become the years of research thing. It is blown up. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's uh, someone even did a great meme of like penguins all like you know dressed as like smash characters and like you've got like link with like a sword and a shield and all that it's just the internet's going crazy uh smash community kind of loves their drama and stuff we love it too but uh but yeah that's that's what's going on yeah i i want to clear one thing up as well um i think maybe initially leffen was talking about his own seat but uh there as usual when leffen talks about seating which is a recurring theme um he was talking about a lot of people because he also brought up uh gluttony I know, I think he's a French player. He pronounced it differently. It's like gluttony or something, but I'm just going to say gluttony. Um, he 
has gotten first at every Smash Ultimate event he's been a part of. And I think he's seeded 35th or something at Genesis. Uh, and Leffen was like, that's kind of weird. And that's also where this Penguin quote came from, because they were like, well, what does it matter that uh, Gluttony goes and gets first if he's beating Penguins? Um, so they were kind of like insinuating that Europe isn't... Uh, like, winning a tournament in Europe doesn't mean anything, was kind of what they were insinuating. Yeah. Well, yeah. who are they putting in first seed? Like, who are amongst the top? Tweak and MK Leo, I'm sure, which they should be, mm -hmm. because uh, yes. MK Leo won one of the first events, I forget which one it was, and then Tweak won Glitch. So the, like, two biggest majors so far in the US have been won by MK Leo and Tweak, and they were bigger than Valhalla was, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. They, I believe they're first and second seed. Uh, again, as well, they should be. So is it more that like players like Leffen and Gluttony are are just it's not that they're sort of seated it's just that they're not seated because they weren't on the radar for whatever reason of the TOs of Genesis or are they just sort of seated and so that that's crazier to me if that's the case because if they're aware of these guys I don't even think aware is the right term but aware of them and their performances in Smash Ultimate thus far and plus their Smash legacies um, I mean, you have to put those guys up in like you know top eight, top sixteen, something along those lines. But to have them out at thirty fifth, it just sounds like they were just part of the rest of the pool. Yeah. So what's happened is uh, they seeded Leffen based purely on his melee legacy, which is weird because at that point he got a similar seed to Plop, and Plop is an amazing melee player. But Plop hasn't entered any Smash Ultimate tournaments at all. So you take Leffen and Plop, who are roughly equal as far as melee goes. Um, and you see them both by legacy, while Leffen has actually entered a Smash Ultimate tournament and got in top eight, but they don't count it because it was in Europe. That's kind of how it ended up being. Yeah, so it really does feel like the ball drop here was on Genesis tournament organizer bracket bracket maker side, and because whenever Leffen brings up drama on on social media, I kind of am hesitant to like, okay, well we'll see where this goes. But it sounds like he's got a pretty good case um, this time around. For yeah, sure. Armada jumped in, and he doesn't typically jump in with the drama stuff. He he does a little bit more now, I think, since he's been playing Ultimate. But um, he he jumped in and said, "Hey, the seating here is not very good." Uh, Bear um, from Smash GG um, generally keeps a very level head and is very fair with the stuff as he should be, uh, considering his position in the community. Uh, even he jumped in and said, "Like, hey, like, don't refer to an entire group of players that like we respect and like need at our events as freaking penguins. Like, his don't do Twitter that." Twitter is. <laughs> yeah. just filled with penguin bear memes and it's hilarious so but he's really going in if albeit you know on the light-hearted side of things but if he's not one to normally jump into the drama he's certainly fanning flames with all that yeah yes. so one thing uh that was also brought up a lot about this which leffen keeps reiterating in caps on his twitter is smash ultimate is not smash 4 because a lot of this mm -hmm. seeding seems to be based legacy wise on smash 4 which you know I get why that's happening, but it is a new game. And if you're gonna seed melee players as well, based on their legacy, then it it, it comes off when you... I have the seeding in front of me right now. And it comes off when you look at the seeding list, like Smash 4 players are weighted so much heavier than melee players are as far as uh, seeding goes. Because obviously, like if you look at the top eight, these are all players who have placed so far, they've been to events, they've done well, and it makes sense that they're the top 10. I I don't think anyone has qualms with the top 10. It's when you start getting further down and you start seeing players that haven't really been able to... They, they've uh, attended American tournaments and they haven't gotten that far in them 
but they were good back in Smash 4, and they're above, for example, Gluttony, who's won every tournament he entered, even if those tournaments may not have been as stacked. Like, he literally could not have performed any better than he has, and he's seeded 35th. So, okay, Genesis we've established as, like, the Evo for Smash, um, which is, you know, for, for the Smash community, bigger than Evo. Uh, it's, it's way up there, one of the top two tournaments of the year, and it has this faux pas at the beginning. Uh, there's a lot to be revealed still as we see the actual event play out this coming weekend and in just a few days. Sure. Uh, do you think that this is ultimately going to carry into the future? Like this is going to have some long-lasting effects or it's just a little bit of drama that happens the week before and then we forget about it after the actual tournament happens and Leffen wins anyway or gets top eight anyway and, uh, and everything's hunky-dory? Or is this a lasting kind of initial stain on the competitive smash ultimate you know legacy i don't first of all i don't think anyone even leffen himself expects him to win i just want to get that out of the way i'm hoping sure. but i'm not expecting uh but i do not think that this will stain the community in any way because we had a similar thing happen when smash 4 came out i don't remember the exact tournament but i believe it was apex 2015 uh where seating was also really weird because it was a brand new game and they would weight Legacy differently, and it was kind of weird. And I'm, I don't remember if this was the year that Apex kind of died, because Apex kind of disappeared, even though it was one of the biggest Smash events, uh, but it didn't affect the community at all. I don't think Genesis is going to die from this, absolutely not. I think Genesis would be a very successful and very entertaining event, uh, but if anyone gets affected by this long term, it will be the Genesis TOs. I don't think they will get notably affected either. But the community itself will not have this as a stain on the community in any way, because uh, the only thing they're going to do from this is learn and improve, I'm sure. Yeah. And I just want to throw out there, since we're giving them a lot of crap here, too, that the Cedars, um, I don't know if that's an, an official, you know, naming convention there for them but the people who are assigning the seating to the players are not paid to do this um typically uh that might be an exception here i haven't you know heard direct confirmation from the genesis people but the assumption is they're not paid to do this at all um i kind of feel like and I'm, I'm filling in some blanks here on my end that you know hey we're not paid to do this we put in you know several hours of work like and we got a thankless, you know, job. And then, you know, people are blowing us up here on Twitter, like afterwards, because we didn't do as complete and thorough of a job as they hoped for, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, Leffitt even says like, Hey, look, like I, I wish people were paid to do this, but you're not exactly dealing with esports money here in the smash community. Um, uh, obviously a lot of entrance and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, I will say. Um, I, I do not appreciate the responses that some of the Genesis people had put out there. That I think I agree with Bear, where it's like, hey, why, do you, why did you guys even go there? You know, that, that's just ridiculous. Now, I enjoy it because of the Penguins. They're hype. They're awesome. But besides <laughs> that, you didn't need to go that route and, and blow people up that way. Um, but also, you know, there there's some... There's some things to fix here, like kind of all around to make it a better experience for everyone, though. And I, I wanted to get that point in there. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um... I don't want to sound like I'm pouring crap all over the uh, Cedars either. I just think that the big problem here was that the Cedars knew one region, and they knew that region really well. And then mm -hmm. when another region calls them out, instead of saying, oh, uh, I guess that was kind of a blind spot, or like, oh, we should, probably should involve someone who's more familiar with that region, they go full defensive and start basically insulting the entire region instead. Uh, so I think they handle it emotionally instead of rationally, which is human, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah. 
that's that's the only real problem I see here. I don't think they're necessarily bad at what they do in any way because looking at the seeding, a lot of it is sound, but there are several blind spots, and I think those would probably be covered by including more people who uh, know other regions. Mm -hmm. So we've established that eh, it's a little bit of a mess up, but we're excited more so for the whole tournament. Everyone's human. It's okay. We'll see how Genesis actually plays out, and we have high expectations for it still. But, Nick, you are our tournament coverage guy. You make the tournament stories. When you make the tournament story for Genesis, will you please put a PNG of a penguin somewhere in that banner? Um, well... I've already been asked to do that by John, and he's my boss, so I guess I kind of oh, have good. to. <laughs> yeah, I, not only did I tell him to put one in the banner, I said put one in the story, too. Like, you got to put, like, some kind of penguin in there, just some reference, and, like, Justin suggested, like, okay, make, like, the start of every graph, like, you know, spell out, like, penguin, and put it in italics and stuff, like... <laughs> oh, my right? gosh, so, that's great. Yeah, some next-level stuff and whatnot, so... Um, Bonus I, points if you put Danny DeVito in there somewhere, <laughs> not as the penguin just as a real <laughs> easter egg yeah, all right the the biggest troll of all would be if someone manages to win the tournament with king dedede or ddd as yeah. he's known in america uh because he's a literal penguin yep that'd be great <laughs> i've seen some wicked uh some dedede setups online and and you know he's he's got a shot he's probably got no shot at all but anyway <laughs> but he, you know I, i'm hoping i'm hoping the same thing keep, but, keep hope alive uh, keep hope alive there we go. <laughs> um, so moving along here, uh, we had Dead or Alive 6 director, uh, the director of the game, do an interview with uh, GameSpot and uh, another website, Siliconera, I believe. Um, and he basically said here, and I quote, some play fighting games for the story, some play them for esports. Uh, we saw that with Street Fighter V when it came out. It didn't have a story mode, and there was a lot of controversy around that. Once we saw that, we knew people really wanted a story mode in their fighting games. And so I get that, and I get that quote, and I mean, it's not untrue, but also... They didn't have to go in there talking with media outlets and saying, oh, yeah, like that Street Fighter V story mode. Man, did that suck that they didn't have that. Like, this is a competing game. And they're, like, just completely firing shots, like, directly at Capcom about it. And and I'm like, okay, I mean, that's kind of the popular thing to do right now. It's not inaccurate, but, like, you could have just said, oh, yeah, we know it's really important to have a story mode. You know, other games have not had that and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they're like, no, like, Street Fighter V, it sucked. It didn't have story mode. That pissed everyone off. Like, we're going to generate some headlines and some hype with this and, and I think they did. I, I think they got it out there in front of people. But but how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, it's kind of cheap, right? Like, and and I'm not I'm not backtracking on anything. I've talked mad trash on Capcom, and I stand behind all of it, especially as of late. Um, you know, I can't. I'd have to put myself in their shoes and maybe even actually experience it before I would say that I wouldn't directly go this route. Um, the more I think about it, the more I think, well, I would certainly be tempted to because, you know, you jump on the bandwagon of everyone harping on Street Fighter V because of you know, all the things that we've already talked about. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't come off as very professional either. And so I can see why uh, it's, it's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a jab where, where it doesn't have to happen. So it's not the worst thing in the world. And it's true. It's very true. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, it's fair. Cause it's like, you can, if you're a fighting game developer, you're going to use, you know, the, the big leading games as a barometer. Um, but do you use that in a conversation as, you know, with the press that where it's going to get out there? It's like, uh, eh, maybe not so much, but I don't know what their relationship was like, like team ninja and Capcom and such, if there is one and, 
and whatnot. But yeah, it, it definitely gets the attention in the short term. Is it worth it in the long term? I don't know. Well, for me, I would have to say, first of all, the statement itself is like kind of a grade school understanding of the controversy itself. I don't think anyone was necessarily angry at Capcom for not having a story mode. That was just a part of all the controversy surrounding Capcom's launch. So when you're making a statement like, oh, we know the story mode is important because people got mad at Capcom, it's more like, did you actually read any of the criticism? Or like, where did this even come from? Um, and the second part I want to get to is that this is actually kind of funny because uh, the guy who made Dead or Alive, uh, Tomonobu Itagaki, was a notorious crap talker and he would constantly go on and say that Tekken is terrible and stuff like that because they were kind of their direct competition by being a 3D fighting game. And uh, he got let go from Team Ninja, it was quite some time, maybe like 10 years ago or something. And uh, I don't remember if they ever said exactly why, but they really stopped, they stopped all the trash talk as soon as he was gone because he was the one doing all of that. And it's kind of funny to see them go back to their roots in a way, even though he's gone, to just start uh, trashing other companies, uh, trying to read I mean, Nick, rivalries or something. But Nick, Nick, the, I mean, the thing is, dude, it's clear that they've gone away from their roots because their game doesn't have any mature content in it at all. <laughs> and they, they told us up and down that wasn't going to happen again. And yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's very true, though. Uh, you know, when you put this all into context with the basic you know, the, the the PR that Team Ninja has had since the announcement of Dead or Alive 6. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to go and judge the game or anything like that. But just speaking of, you know, you bring this up and you bring that up that, that that's been like their main attraction is like kind of a, it seems, it seems like a gimmick. It's like the kind of statements that were made were pretty much directly, yes, we're toning down sexuality. Buzz, 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 buzz. And then here just a, a little bit before release. Well, I mean, a few months later, eh, it's a little bit different, but not different like we said. Buzz, 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 you know, from, from the people because dead or alive sexuality is, you know, the, the most notable thing about it for, to the most people. Um, and and now we get towards the end. It's like, no, no, it's all the same. It's all good. And, and so all of that conversation beforehand seems like for just null and void. And it's like, man, are these guys taking shortcuts and just taking like little low hanging fruit, but not necessarily mid to long term solution approaches? They're just doing little things to get buzz about their game and and doing it in a not the most respectful of ways or respectable of ways. Uh, it's kind of turning me off to them a little bit. And I didn't really plan on playing Dead or Alive Six, but how the community views you is a, is a pretty important thing. And uh, I don't know. I think that they're they're maybe burning more bridges than they're building. Yeah, um, it's possible. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I was uh, actually planning when they first talked about it. I was planning on playing Dead or Alive Six because I really liked Dead or Alive Five. I thought it was a very fun game. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I was a little bit turned off, not by them toning down the sexuality. I don't really care about that. I'm a bit of a prude actually. But uh, what I got caught up on was whenever they would talk about it in interviews they would say stuff like oh well Kasumi uh, like the main girl uh, she's not just a fighting sex toy anymore and that was like well that's kind of a rude way to refer to a character just because mm -hmm. like you're basically insulting the character designer who made her you're insulting everyone who worked on any of the games before that are live sex and you're insulting all the fans who might have liked her up until now and on top of that 
they're not even going away from what they used to do anyway. So it comes yeah. off as kind of uh, kind of disrespectful to everyone who played the game. I think again, I don't really care about toning down the sexuality. If they want to do that, I'm not sure it's a good idea because as uh, as uh, you were saying, uh, that's largely what the franchise is known for outside of its players uh, because most of the people who play it obviously play it because it plays really well um, but it, it's like it's it's like removing gore from Mortal Kombat it would be a bit weird um, mm-hmm. so but but if they want to go that route I would probably be fine with it the problem is that they well first of all they said they would and then they didn't which is weird they already did that with their live 5 as well uh, and then that they were so disrespectful about it because uh, if they would have just said like oh we want to do a slightly different approach this time and just left it at that I probably wouldn't have minded but it it felt like like I, I've played Dead or Alive 2 and Dead or Alive 5 a lot those two games I've played quite a bit and it, to me it felt like they were insulting me for ever caring about their games before 6 because they were like oh yeah th- these aren't just going to be for horny kids anymore and I was like um okay um, yeah. Is that a way to talk about your fans? Yeah, why would you do that? It's again, it's, it's it, to throw it out here, and let's say Capcom is about to announce Rose, and like, okay, this character is for people who they don't really care about the game. The game's kind of stupid, and this character's stupid, and and why would you play? She's kind of a whore, you know. And it's just like, why? Like, why? Why are you going out of your way to bash a character you made and you designed that people enjoy and love? And like, all you're doing is just setting yourself up for like. I'm sure there's some people out there that, you know, they don't like the character and they're like, oh yeah, you know, that's cool and stuff, but you're, you're, you're insulting your fans who buy your game at that point. It's just, it's the dumbest thing you could like, it's really, it's bothered me about the messaging from the game from the get go. And I saw it plain as day. It was multiple interviews. And this is not like, you know, small outlets like Jimbo Bob's like, you know, blog or whatever. It's like IGN. They're giving an interview on IGN. They know they're talking to IGN. And they're saying stuff like that. And they're saying, like, yeah, if you really like the sexuality and, like, you know, we know people played the game for that. And, like, but, you know, you shouldn't play the game for that reason. It's just, like, why are, why are you doing that? Like, why are you insulting people who, who enjoy your franchise? Like, you know, just, yeah. what I think it is, is um, this reminds me of a person that is not being necessarily true to themselves. They are much more aware of what the people around them are thinking. Mm -hmm. And the people around them are thinking different things at the same time. So when they're talking to person A, they're talking and saying the things that person A wants to hear. And then when they're talking to person B, who happens to have a completely different approach, they're saying the things person B wants to hear and they're kind of contradicting each other. And both responses are not necessarily what you know, Team Ninja actually wants to do or thinks. They're saying things to appeal to the the masses as they see it in the moment. And I think, um, you know, just, just thinking about well, where our society is right now, we don't need to get too far into this, but the whole idea of, you know, to, to sexualize people in general or women and, and such in today's current landscape is a very, very, or is a much more dangerous thing to do than it was, uh, you know, when Dead or Alive was making previous titles. And so I, I think one of the big things is they don't want to be seen as some sexist, you know, thing. Because if they get labeled as that, the moment that happens, they're losing a lot of fans or they're losing a lot of, um, a lot of units sold. 
And uh, I think that they're also trying to tiptoe around that right now. So that's why you come out with, hey, we're not, we're not what you think. We're not extreme beach volleyball. Please still acknowledge us because, because if they get written off from the start, then they are probably done. And it's like Dead or Alive is a successful franchise, but it's not the biggest and they need as much as they can, you know? So I think a lot of this comes from business moves. A lot of it comes from, we just need to say, we need to keep as many people happy as possible but they're doing it in the the route you know where they go i'm just trying to make everyone happy at the same time and therefore uh, getting rid of my own personal actual feelings and actual approach and such and that's a big turnoff to people and i think that's what we're feeling right now as we uncover these interviews and we go back and say well this doesn't make sense when you know he said this but then he also said this and it's contradicting it's like and and that's a turnoff because you're not you're not being honest you're just saying what what you think people want to hear and at the end of the day, it's like, well, now I don't know at all what to expect with this game. It's not the worst situation to be in because really the, the big mover and shaker is going to be how the game plays and how fun it is, I think. Uh, and, and Dead or Alive or Team Ninja is not in this huge, you know, sinkhole in terms of PR. Um, I don't think it's getting a ton of negativity. I think that, you know, right now with, with what we've said on this podcast is the most negativity I've heard about it thus far. So I think it's just fine and I think it's achieved more or less what it's wanted to do and staying away from the big problems of, you know, uh, you know, having the finger pointed at it in major ways on a social level. But I don't know what to expect. I don't know. I can't really trust what they're saying either. I think with general gamers, I think you're right. But I think with the fighting game community, which is a big deal, because I mean, this is what we are. I think it's I think it's resonated pretty well from hearing, you know, people dialogue about the game. And I want to reiterate here, as Dick said, Dead or Alive 5 was a good esports title. Like it was good. It was competitive. People played it. I enjoyed watching it. We uh, between Nick and I, we watch a lot of tournament footage. Um, I enjoyed Dead or Alive 5. I thought it was a very good game. And and this has kind of turned me off from the product. It's like, look, like don't don't crap on me i'm a hardcore fan like <laughs> we buy a lot of your products here and we put it out there in front of people like don't do that but but yeah i get what you're saying john yeah i also get what you're saying but at the same time i feel like that's trying to court a market that wasn't interested to start with and isn't going to be interested either because they have a market and they're kind of insulting that market yeah exactly they're paying attention to the people that probably aren't even the biggest the biggest fans of their franchise to begin with yeah. and they're they're like you're saying they're poo-pooing on the people that actually do care just to make sure that they don't offend or don't upset the people that probably don't care well, uh, I think all of us are hoping for success for Dead or Alive Six. Uh, it's just it's disappointing, you know. Um, but uh, like, don't do that. Like, change your messaging a little bit, please. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm not gonna like downplay it out of spite. I, of course, I hope it's a good game. I really like Dead or Alive Five. I like the characters, even though they're telling me not to apparently. Um, so uh, <laughs> I I hope it'll do well, uh, and I hope it'll be a fun game. But I'm not sure I will buy it. Uh, but I I hope it does well. Um, so I wanted to get into here the um, the last bit uh, of when we might hear something about Street Fighter V. It's it's still something that comes up quite a bit. And right now, um, Resident Evil 2 just came out. It's uh, glowing reviews. Nick has been streaming it quite actively. Please uh, check him out. Um, Nick, can you plug your channel here real quick? Absolutely. It's uh, twitch.tv slash majintention on uh, without any hyphens or anything. So just straight up. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter as well. I advertise my stream pretty regularly there. 
Perfect. And, and so um, I know both of you guys have really been enjoying the game. The whole team has kind of been hooked on this game. Uh, I rarely play anything but fighting games. Uh, it's just kind of like I don't have time. Um, uh, but I like everyone else has been like, oh, this game is amazing. Uh, and I'm pretty sure both of you guys feel that way. I know John mentioned that earlier, but Nick, mm-hmm. you're feeling the game is really good, right? Uh, I think the game is very good, uh, but I have I have a series of gripes with it, but I don't think it's a bad game in any way. I think it's a very, very good game. But uh, there are some things I think uh, could use improvement. Uh, the most notable for me is probably that I think if you're someone who's considering buying this game and you play the original, you might not be as enthused as someone who goes in fresh. Because I think if you haven't okay. played the original Resident Evil 2, this will be a much more positive experience. If you have played Resident Evil 2, uh, the original, you will find... You will probably be disappointed at some of the stuff missing. Uh, because it's... I think Capcom themselves didn't necessarily call it a remake. They refer to it more as a reimagining. And uh, you can kind of feel that when you go through the game. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into any spoilers or anything, but... Uh, the narrative isn't as focused as it was in Resident Evil 2, the original. Um, the gameplay is obviously very different because it's modernized, which uh, comes off pretty well. Uh, and I think one of the biggest gripes for me is that I really wanted the old school Resident Evil feel of playing um, with limited saves. Because in the classic Resident Evil games, you had to use an item to save, an ink ribbon, because save points are typewriters. And that is only available in this game if you play on hardcore mode. So you can't play on normal mode and have this like item-based save at the same time. So I started playing on hardcore and uh, I felt like the zombies were complete bullet sponges. I ended up uh, with, I think I got two hours in or something and then I ended up in a situation where I had no health regen, I had barely any ammo and I found myself confronted with a Licker, one of the more difficult enemies. And I was just like, okay, I don't think I can actually continue this way I'll have to restart and play on normal mm-hmm. um, which was fine like normal difficulty I don't mind that much but there's no option for me to have limited saves which is what I really wanted and that was kind of a bummer gotcha so um, so the game is sold uh, 3 million copies are shipped 3 million copies I should say um, it's generally getting very high praise and all that and I'm starting to see the Capcom uh, people go out on social media go to events and different things and they're starting to become active and tying this back into Street Fighter 5 what I, I believe is going on is and as it should be Resident Evil 2 the remake is getting a lot of time in the spotlight and I think what's going to happen is once that dies down here a little bit in probably a week or two, um, my personal prediction here is in February, we're going to hear something more about Street Fighter V uh, in terms of the characters and like the lineup or something that they're going to be doing. And uh, Justin, Adaptive Trigger Gordon, actually did a story here that talked about the timelines uh, previously of what we'd seen. And the average, like, after a first initial DLC character was released for a brand new season, um, about 40 to 45 days later, um, we would get the next character um, uh, uh, released. So uh, we're actually at 45 days right now here as of Wednesday. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of what we're looking at. So, uh, obviously I don't think we're going to have a character announcement today. It's still January. Uh, but I think here coming up in February, I think we're going to actually hear something, but, but how about you guys? Like, I know this is kind of like the big elephant in the room. Um, like when are they going to actually announce something? There's nothing to talk about. Damn, is it disappointing? But when do you guys like think we'll we'll hear something? Um, it's hard to say soon. Soon. (laughs) Yeah. 
uh, in giant in, in big caps lock letters soon that, maybe with a third O but it's very hard to say because uh, I don't think you can construct a proper prediction based on previous seasons because they've all been so mm -hmm. different uh, we never really know what to expect I think Urian was released in September uh, the first year and then in 2017 we had Seku in like the end of October unless I'm mistaken. Mm -hmm. And then the year after that, we have G and Sagat in the beginning of August. Like, I'm, I'm just going by the last characters each season. That's a huge jump there. You So it doesn't feel like it's possible at all to predict, especially not this year, when we don't even have any confirmation that we're getting six characters or really anyone at all after Kage. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think we are, but we don't have any confirmation that we are. So it's difficult to say. And um, you were talking about like the Resident Evil 2 hype train being active, and that might affect announcements. But the problem with that is, uh, if that's the case, then the next thing to start up should be the Devil May Cry 5 hype train, because that's coming in March, isn't it? So, I mean, in that case, I don't know. It's uh, I don't think Street Fighter 5 is necessarily affected by Capcom's other projects. I think the reason we haven't heard about Street Fighter 5 is self-contained. I don't think Resident Evil 2 or Devil May Cry 5 or a new Monster Hunter game or what have you have a proper effect on that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, I don't have any evidence, but I'm inclined to agree. I think that, I don't know why, but I feel like, you know, the Capcom fighting game division, the you know, whoever it is that takes care of Street Fighter 5 is kind of just like, I mean, stuck right now with like their, their pants around their ankles and they're trying to get them up and they, I mean, they're just, they seem like they're in chaos and it seems like they go in and out of this chaos and i've i've seen look like like i was saying earlier they set expectations for the community and then they don't fulfill the expectations or then sometimes they do and it's like this weird uh, just relationship that i'm kind of tired of man and so as far as like when do the next characters like the first thing that comes up on like in my heart is like who cares when yeah. the next characters come up because and, and what I think that comes from as I think about it for a second is that I don't want to invest my hope and my excitement into this game right now because there's such a lack of consistency and and there have been so many events where I'm like, okay, they're definitely going to do something here. It's like they're so set up to to like hint a character or, or this or that or give us an announcement or something and then they'll play the Rashid music or something. And that wasn't even during that time. But it feels like a perpetual, like, gotcha, guys. And it's funny because I didn't hate him at that time, but I really don't like Rashid now just as a character. And that was perfect. But I feel like the Capcom just so often keeps playing the Rashid music to us instead of giving us what we want. So, like, I'm not going to invest my my care and my hope and such because it's just been smacked around so many times. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes they deliver, and that's great. But it's not worth investing into it so i'm just kind of not but i mean as far as when do i actually think there i mean we uh was it justin wrote that article about um the average character wait times and and the release schedules for dlc and they're just all over the place and like season one they were very clearly playing catch up and um i mean what was it balrog was super delayed and ended up coming out with ibuki later on and they basically their window there was um from march the end of march to the end of september um and actually wow this is a really good breakdown that justin had done yeah. uh there was 29 days between alex and guile 64 from guile to balrog and abuki at the same time 25 days from balrog um and abuki to jury 
and then 58 days between Jury and Urian. The average wait time was 44 days. Uh, in season two, the average wait time was 61.6 days, and that spanned from uh, Akuma released at the end of December, or December 20th, and then Zeku came out in October 24th of the following year. Season three was, uh, they were much more prompt. You know, we got Sakura right there in, in January, and then um, everyone was out by um, Evo, right, when G and Sagat were both revealed and then released the next day um, on August 6th. Um, and it was an average time of 50.5 days in between character releases for that. Um, and, and season three was like, it, it felt like they had figured it out. They had ironed it out. They had got down their thing, uh, their, their pattern, their schedule, how they wanted to approach it. And then here we are with, here's Kage, and that's great. And then everything else is different. Whoa, what does that mean? Uh, well, we'll tell you soon. And here we are a month and a month and a half later, and soon has been, yeah, I mean, nothing on this front. And then here's a, a league that people are kind of upset about, and, uh, and that's it. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I keep saying it in articles, I keep saying it in comments, I keep saying it on this podcast. The big problem uh, that a lot of people are feeling with Capcom is that they're being kept in the dark. Uh, and that's really what is messing people up. And it's real, I think it really comes off the heels of season three being so transparent. And then all of a sudden they just do a complete 180 on that. Uh, for me personally, as far as it comes to like, predicting Capcom or looking forward to Capcom as I said we I don't think it's possible to make any predictions based on previous seasons because they've been so erratic as far as character releases go it's very hard to judge anything as far as hopes go uh, the problem for me is that uh, I was hoping for Cody for the longest time and then when he came out he's a completely different character and not in a way that I enjoy uh, because I feel like they removed pretty much everything that he had about him and the stuff they added uh, didn't interest me very much. Um, I know some people like the new Cody and you know that's fine but uh, I was hoping for this character and then they just changed everything that I liked about him and I just felt completely disheartened so at this point I'm not hoping for any characters that I like. I'm hoping for um, I'm hoping for Honda because I think he deserves to be in and I've been memeing him in Twitch chat for like half a year at this point. Um, and I'm hoping for brand new characters because even if I dislike a brand new character, it doesn't really matter because it's not gonna affect, it's, it's not gonna be that it's a character I've looked forward to and then I'm disappointed. It's just gonna be a brand new character and I'll be, oh, that's cool. Maybe it's not for me, but it's cool, you know? So that's where I'm at as far as hopes and dreams go when it comes to Street Fighter V. And uh, that makes the like lack of information even more, what should I say, even more dull. Because I don't feel like I have anything to look forward to uh, from them. Even though we probably do, I don't know when it will be. And I don't have anything to like speculate about and get hype about uh, because, of, uh, because of how I felt about Cody, really. Yeah. So, so let me take you guys into this. Like I'm, I'm hanging on a cliff like right now, like with my fingernails, and and I see a bush, and I'm like I'm gonna grab onto it, and that bush is like labeled like Resident Evil Two, and the, and I like grab it, and I I'm pulling on it because I'm like, hey, this is asked out for like some kind of hope, and it's gonna support me, and like the roots just come out, and I fall to my death. That's like what you guys just did to me. I'm like I'm trying to come up with something to to, to like give some like life here to like Street Fighter Five, like, and I'm I'm like I said, I'm hanging on by my fingernails on a cliff, and I just died. <laughs> I, I got nothing. I, I'm hoping, you know, I was hoping something would go. Okay. And, you know, I, w w yeah, Sorry. So. Let me bring some positivity into this. Um, 
Resident Evil 2 has been a very good project. Capcom have done a good job with it. My gripes aside, it's still a very good game and I did enjoy playing it a lot. Devil May Cry 5 doesn't look like uh, my cup of tea, but a lot of people are hyped for it. It looks to be somewhat of a return to form after uh, the unsuccessful reboot. Mega Man 11, also a nice game. It's the Mega Man series again, and they did a good job with it. Capcom are, of course, let's not forget Monster Hunter World, which broke records and became the biggest game uh, from Capcom of all time, I think. I believe so. Either Yeah, I think it's a number one. Yeah, either way. Capcom are definitely on the right track. What does that mean for Street Fighter V? We have no idea. But Capcom as a company are on the right track. It's definitely not doom and gloom as far as Capcom go. Um, so I don't want it to sound like me, <laughs> me and Raptor are kind of just tearing down Capcom. It's not like that. We're just we're a bit dejected with Street Fighter V right now. But Capcom as a company are doing a lot of things right. Yeah, yeah I, for I, sure. I I think you guys aren't even like frustrated. Like you're just disappointed. Like it's a classic phrase you don't want to. I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh crap. <laughs> like they've sunk that low. Uh, I don't I don't even know where to go with that anymore. Yeah, um, it's like I, I I dejected is a perfect word for it. And I'm like I'm not like I'll, I might I might get a little like heated up sounding when I'm talking about it because I just think like man how stupid could you be because you have me you know like you ha- like I want to play your game and this is this is speaking for a lot of people i think like we want to like this game there's a lot going for it and and it's like there's a new landscape where you have to do things a little bit differently because we're you know here in modern times and and your game is on showcase for everyone from the minute you announce it probably at like an e3 and we saw you know how that can go good and how that can go poorly if you're you know marvel infinite for example but how important that communication is and how the kinds of things that people hang on to and the kind of culture you're you're you know you're talking to the gaming culture they're all over social media they're always talking to each other because they're constantly online going in forums you know talking on twitter discussing stuff we as event hubs writers are you know we use this news to 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 share with everybody and get those conversations started or steered in new directions and capcom is just not playing that game at all when it comes to street fighter which is their you know the the biggest if not one of the biggest titles in fighting games in general like and and so it's just it's disheartening it's like i and when i think about street fighter 5 i don't go ew i go i don't really care and like apathy is is probably worse than than hate in a lot of situations and the longer this drought goes on, the the more apathetic I think I, I grow, and I think that's probably the case for for at least a handful of people out there, a significant amount. And I just I don't want to feel that way about a game that I really want to like. And if if so, if any anger comes, it's like it's because of that. It's because it's like I want to love you and you won't let me. And you know, back to that bad relationship metaphor. Uh, but. You know, it's under new management as far as we understand, although that wasn't, you know, directly communicated either. It's just like we're kind of speculating there too. And we've seen a lot of positive moves since this new management. And so this whole, like, we're doing things differently without the season pass could just be a lateral move because the the new management thinks that it'll be better this way. And perhaps it absolutely will be. But none of this matters until we get some communication from them until we know what's going on until we kind of have an idea of what to expect a hope you know a spark something to talk about to be excited for and uh and and especially when you have a bunch of games doing it next to you you look extra bad when you're not doing it yeah yeah. not knowing is the worst part um before before we wrap up this part i just want to say on the positive for street fighter 5 uh because i think 
on the event ops team, I'm probably the person who's most negative about the game. Uh, I've notoriously not been a gigantic fan of it from the very start. <laughs> But I will say that right now, I think the game plays the best it ever has. Uh, I'm having more fun with the game right now than I ever have before. Uh, it's more Capcom's approach than the game itself right now that I think is uh, putting people on edge. And one thing uh, I also feel should be brought up is whenever I talk to people and I'm relatively pessimistic about Capcom's current approach because of the lack of communication, a thing I often get um, brought up to me, I will actually give a shout out here to one of our commenters. Uh, I believe on Eventops he goes by Phantom Miria. Uh, he will often say um, that there's like there's no reason to be so negative because um, Capcom have invested so much into growing esports, and we already know that Capcom Cup is coming back, and we know that there's big prizes and everything. And even if Street Fighter V somehow was to end right now or whatever they've still got all of that invested in esports so there will definitely be something they have ready to replace it if that were the case so Street Fighter V is probably going to stay alive for a while now uh, longer than we expect perhaps uh, if nothing else just because uh, Capcom have made a massive focus on esports which seems to be doing well for them there's no indication that their esports um, what do you call it, esports gamble hasn't paid off for them because they keep pushing it, right? So obviously esports has done well for Capcom. So I think in that sense, it's not all doom and gloom. It's just a very strange period of time right now. And on that front, like I like I kind of talked about earlier, I'm ready to to be excited again as soon as they come out with a big announcement given that it doesn't just fall flat on its face for whatever reason, which is a real possibility. But, I mean, if they if they come forward with, like, okay, here are the next characters, here's their release schedule, here's what we're doing with the game, you know, get hyped for 2019, I'll be there. I'll get hyped for 2019. I'll start playing again. I might play the new characters. Who knows? But it's just we've been in limbo for so long. Um, I was So I was playing about an hour of Resident Evil 2 this morning before uh, before jumping on here to do the uh, the podcast and such. And there are locks in in on some of the doors that require three. They're just like um, they're just letters, and there are three letters. So you have to just kind of like roll the letters and decide, you know, what the the three the combination is to open it. And on all of them, I found myself trying CFN to see if they like do callbacks to Street Fighter, <laughs> uh, but none of them are. It's sad. But like that's that's I I think that that gives a little insight of like where I'm at. And like, man, just something, anything, Capcom, like show me anything that has to do with Street Fighter Five and. <laughs> And an acknowledgement of it. I'm checking the damn locks in an, in another game that you did that has nothing to do with fighting games to see if you're even putting Easter eggs in. Which, actually, they did in Resident Evil 7. They put a, a Street Fighter Easter egg. Um, we did a story about that way back when. But, anyways, like, I'm there for it. I'm ready for it. It just right now sucks. And, and I completely disapprove of how they're doing things now. But I still love them. And uh, and I'll still be playing Street Fighter Five. I'm sure. Uh, it's just it is what it is. Yeah, that would be some next level DLC if they have like the Street Fighter Five announcements like hidden in Resident Evil Two remake, and you have to unlock them or something like that. that... Hey, you should work for Capcom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they could have the hidden notes, yeah. you know, and there could be like yeah. code letters, like the way you were talking about writing Penguin in the story. There could be code letters <laughs> like Rose, Rose February or something. Excura sucks, and we hate that guy. <laughs> 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 
right. So on that note, we'll end on one thing we actually do know that is coming up, and that is final round uh, oh, yeah. in mid-March. And that's going to kick off the Capcom Pro Tour for 2019. Uh, you would think we would have to hear something by then, or you would hope, but maybe that will just kind of come and go, and we'll see. But anyway, uh, we, we've uh, we beat that dead horse, I think, quite a bit here. So, um, But we're going to go ahead and sign off for this week, and we want to thank Nick again, Majin Tension Hand. And once again, I will shout him out for his tournament coverage on the website. If you see practically any tournament covered at all, it's because Nick has been sitting there for 16 hours in a row over a three-day span or sometimes two-day span. I'm doing that kind of coverage. He does amazing work, and I want to thank him here for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I also, every time I have a question about Japanese, Nick's right there to tell us and translate all of that stuff. So anytime that we get, you know, patch notes, translations and such, it's because of his top tier Japanese translation skills. Uh, I don't know about top tier, but <laughs> I'm fluent at least. It's something. Well, thank you. All right, y'all. We will check you out again next week. And hopefully we'll have some news here to share about Street Fighter V, but probably not.